Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you are firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed, the resurrection of the dead. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, if we are then found to be false witnesses about God, we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says everything has been put under his feet, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now if there is no resurrection, what will those who are baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ, Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, 
but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendour of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendour of earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendour, the moon another, and the stars another, and the star differs from star in splendour. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. The spirit did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, so are those who are as of heaven. And just as we have been born the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. This glorious passage has more fizz than 10,000 soda pops. The source of its tanginess is the explosive idea of Jesus as first fruits. First fruits by definition carry a promise. First fruits show what is coming. One has been raised from the dead, not as a freak event, but as a sign of what will happen to all who carry his name. We also will be raised. This is the defining hope of our faith. Not just that we're forgiven, not just that we live in relationship with God, but that we will journey right through death into a richer and purer way of being alive. We will do as Jesus did. We taste already some of the delight of the resurrection that is to come, but it is just a taste. The full fizz is a future feast. And so we see all our suffering now as just short days before our greatest days. 
We don't start to stutter when wild beasts attack, nor do we get lured to the temporary comforts of sin. No, we know a trumpet will sound and an eye will twinkle, and then the full promise of resurrection will be achieved in us. We know that this body may die every day, but on that day it will be clothed with impregnable immortality. We know that our relatives, and maybe even ourselves, may die a painful death, but we know that we will be brought out of our tombs to live something much stronger, something much purer, something better, something that never ends. We know we will live in the new Eden, in a perfect place where the horrific consequences of Adam's sin can no longer be seen. We know that the great and wise God will be all in all in every single way. He will reign everything in his benevolent goodness. We know those things because the first fruits of Jesus confirmed they must be so. So what do we do now? How should we live? That ultimately is what Paul is interested in here. Paul wants every believer to understand that there is an unbreakable link between labour in the Lord now and the luscious splendour of life in the second man. He wants us to stop our sin and lend ourselves fully to the labour of the Lord. He wants us to work hard and suffer well and not be moved. There are days when our faith feels weaker. On those days, we should look at the resurrection. On those days, we should look at the fact of the first fruits, the glorious glimpse of what we have in store. For what happened to Jesus will also happen to us if we simply continue to remain in him. Here's a question for reflection. Do you have a habit of intentionally thinking about your coming resurrection. We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.